you are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. On today's show, we're going to talk about the breaking news that happened last night for the Kansas City Royals. We're going to talk all about the Andrew Benatendi trade. I'm joined by Gabrielle Starr of Locked On Red Sox. We have a very long episode for you. It's a crossover. Lots of thoughts on the Red Sox and the Royals and Andrew Benatendi and Frenchie Cordero and Khalil Lee. Massive trade that I don't think anyone expected happened last night. In fact, I recorded three episodes last night to take care of this week. And it turns out that only one of them was useful because of the mammoth trade that happened for the Kansas City Royals. So enjoy this podcast with Gabrielle Starr. Uh, and let me know what you think about this trade on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles and at Lockdown Royals. So without further ado, here is the crossover episode with Lockdown Red Sox. Okay, this is very exciting and kind of crazy. Very unexpected, too. Did you see this coming, Rylan? I had no idea. I don't think anybody did. I mean, I had a tip like a month ago. I don't know, maybe two weeks ago. Time doesn't exist anymore. I had a tip that Benintendi was going. So now we are in the midst of trying to find out what is happening. But to backtrack for a second, I'm Gabrielle Starr, host of Locked On Red Sox. You are Rylan Stiles, host of Locked On Royals and Locked On OKC Thunder. And we are doing an emergency pod because Andrew Benatendi has been traded to the Royals. What the hell, man? Shocking. It is totally shocking. Now, the Royals have said that they wanted to add a left-handed bat. I just assumed that that meant somebody that could hit. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do this. Okay. So you know what you're in for here. Benintendi is a kind of guy when he's hot, he's hot. When he is cold, he is like the iceberg that the Titanic hit levels of cold. He's a walking Katy Perry song. I, I can't believe that the Royals made this move because they're banking on Benintendi bouncing back and they're yes. only, they only have him under control until 2023. So if he does bounce back and he does go back to 2017 and it's just awesome, which is what they want. He's going to price himself out of Kansas City's market. So in that sense, if you really want to bounce back and want to be good, you're going to have to win in these two years. And I've been getting excited thinking that they can be a third place team in the AL Central. They're trying to compete for a playoff spot. That's that's two totally different realms of where I viewed this team just as early as this afternoon versus right now with what it's evident that the Royals view themselves as. It's really strange to me, especially because you give up guys like Khalil Lee and Frenchie Cordero who have not produced at the big league level and have not even had a 2017 Andrew Benatendi season yet, but they're still young. And, and for Khalil Lee, he hasn't even broke the big leagues yet. And the pandemic threw his you know, progression off track. I get all of that, but for the chance to have a 2017 season, it's just kind of so, so surreal to me because again, if this works out for the Royals, it's actually going to backfire on them because they're not going to be able to resign him. Exactly. And so just to give everybody an update, since we are recording at 10.51 p.m. on Wednesday night, February 10th, Jeff Passan of ESPN just tweeted that the three-way trade is done. The Royals get Benintendi, the Mets get Khalil Lee, the Red Sox get Frenchie Cordero, Josh Winkowski, 
two players to be named later from the Royals and a player to be named later from the Mets. Purely from like a number standpoint, it feels like the Red Sox won this trade because if Benintendi doesn't bounce back, like you said, they unloaded a guy who for the last two seasons has just looked so miserable and they're getting just like at the very least a bunch of warm bodies, which is something that this team needs. They need like kind of an influx an infusion of life. So what are your thoughts on this return? Wow. <laughs> That's a good way to put it as well. But I just go back to the Jim Valvano speech. If you said, you know, if you laugh and you think and you cry every day, that's a hell of a day. That's what I experienced with this trade. I laughed at how idiotic it was at the start because this is a clear win now move. I thought about what the future could be like. And then I cried because I'm a huge Killa Lee guy and now he's gone. My thing with this trade is that for a rebuilding team, you expect the Royals to have a good farm system. And in that farm system, Khalil Lee was the eighth best prospect in 2020. And you've given him away for a guy who you're just hoping can return back to the one good MLB season he's ever had. Whenever who's to say that Khalil Lee won't have a good MLB season. If, if Khalil Lee has a good rookie year for the Mets, whenever it is he gets called up, then he's done as much as Benatendi has done in his MLB career. That's where we're at right now with this trade. And again, it just goes back to the fact that I thought this would be a successful season. I would be, I would be giving the Royals so much praise if they just found a way to finish third place in their division. Now, You've made it evident you're trying to win, and they do deserve credit for that because a lot of teams in baseball are not even attempting to win. The Royals have made moves all throughout this winter to try to be a competitive team and an exciting team, so they deserve more credit than most teams. But will these moves pan out is a totally different story, and just in a baseball sense, I think that this move will get praise in Kansas City because it's a name you know. You know Andrew Benatendi. He's done it in the playoffs. He's played for the Red Sox versus you might not know exactly who Khalil is, but in actuality, and just simply looking at these guys as baseball players, I'm not so sure how the Royals can justify this trade unless they do win in these two years, which is going to be extremely hard to do. Again, you're giving up your eighth best prospect for two years of an attendee because if he's good, he's gone. It's just so surreal to me that if you've given up anything other than other than this, like how did you overpay this much for an attendee? Unless he's really good and unless you, unless you win a lot, which I don't know if they will. Totally. So I actually just asked my Twitter followers who won this trade and some interesting answers came back. Also, by the way, the Red Sox have made it official. They tweeted that they have traded Benintendi in cash considerations to the Royals. Uh, so it is like official, official, not even ESPN official. It's Red Sox official, which is actually kind of crazy to me because I feel like a lot of the deals that they've been making have been announced by the media, but then not announced by the club for at least two days. But with this, you know, this news broke, what, two hours ago, not even, and the Red Sox are already tweeting about it. I kind of feel like we're really getting close to spring training mode here. Like things are kind of shifting into a higher gear. But anyway, so a lot of opinions on this trade. Um, For starters, my boyfriend says the Royals won the trade. He actually took the time to reply to my tweet and say that the Royals won the trade. So love that for me. Okay, congratulations. My friend Ahan, who is a wonderful podcast host of his, in his own right, said that all three, I find this very interesting. He says all three teams won the trade, which is actually like, you know, what ideally should happen in every trade, but we both know that it almost never does. Look at the Mookie Betts trade. 
his reasoning is that the Royals get a comeback candidate to try to sneak into the playoffs in 2021. The Mets swoop in and get an incredible upside athlete who's only 22 years old. And the Red Sox add depth in the pitching farm and make about $9 million of room to work towards 2022. Because I think we all know the Red Sox are probably going to be better in 2021 than they were in 2020. I mean, God knows they have to be. I had our starter Martin Perez on the podcast today and he literally said, there's no excuse. Like we, we have to be better. And God knows it's pretty hard to think about them being worse (laughs) than they already were. But I don't think anyone thinks the Red Sox are going to have much of a year in 2021. I do think though that 2022, you could actually start to see them turning around and this would go a long way towards it. But I will say I am surprised I thought Benintendi might have been traded at the deadline during the season. I thought he might have been traded at the beginning of the offseason. And then when it got past New Year's, I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe Cora wants to work with him again. Maybe Cora thinks he can turn him around. Maybe they want to see if they can up his trade value. Because after the last year, even the last two years, like you said, his trade value had never been lower. A lot of potential upside, but he was signed to a... $10 million deal with the Red Sox. And he played something like 14 games in 2020 with a 103 batting average. He was absolutely terrible. And the year before, he was okay as soon as he was removed from the leadoff spot. But he just, he he has needed that change of scenery. But I was kind of thinking after we, you know, hit 2021 that he was still going to be here for part of the 2021 season, see if they can kind of get him back on track so that they can get more of a return for him. But it seems like, you know, they did pretty well, all things considered, given that the guy has played 14 games in the last year and a half. I want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a phenomenal protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, get 20% off your next order. Listen, not only are Built Bars are delicious, but this is perhaps their best bar yet. Built Bar sent us this brand new flavor. Every single host got these boxes of this new flavor, Coconut Brownie Chunk. It's dark chocolate, coconut, and real brownie chunks. It doesn't get any better than that. It has 150 calories. It has a 15 gram of protein and 7 grams of sugar. It is a limited time flavor. Get it today because they will be gone tomorrow. Get them right now. They are delicious. And again, I think it's their best bar yet. And I'm not kidding you. Whenever I say that I'm in two separate group chats involving Locked On Host, a Locked On NBA, Locked On MLB, and both hosts, the collective feeling from both MLB host and NBA hosts is that these are phenomenal and these are the best built bars they've ever had. And it truly tastes like a candy bar. So check them out right now for this new flavor, this coconut brownie chunk flavor. BuiltBar.com, promo code locks on. I also want to tell you about our good friends over at RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right, 20 years ago, you probably could not work the internet properly. You didn't really know what you were doing. It was an entire disaster, but... You could have been going to rockauto.com and finding all the parts your car would ever need. And it's so important to go there and not go to your basic auto parts store because they do not upcharge you at Rock Auto. They skip that upcharge. They find you the parts you need. They find them for you because they have an amazing selection and they have reliably low prices and they're going to get it to you cheap. So 
head on over there right now. My favorite part about rockauto.com is that I know nothing about cars, but I know I don't have to know anything about cars. I can simply put my make, my model, my year into their database, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. That way, I'm not wasting money on parts I don't need, parts I can't use, any of that nonsense. It is perfect for me. Go to rockauto.com. Whenever you go there and you're about to check out, tell them Lockdown sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us box, and they'll know what to do from there. Rockauto.com, amazing selection. Reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. I also want to take the time to tell you about the new More Than a Game podcast. February is Black History Month, and Lockdown Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and successes of black men and women in sports in a series called Lockdown Presents More Than a Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Lee of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to Locked On Presents podcast feed today on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast from to hear this amazing, amazing podcast. Now, let's get back to the crossover. I just think that, number one, it's hilarious that the Royals are the one taking on salary from the big, bad Red Sox, and the Red Sox are the ones salary dumping somebody and just getting warm bodies back. I think that for Red Sox fans, I'm not sure what you think about this thought, but for me, you mentioned right there how excited you are about getting those bodies back and whatever Fletcher Cordero (laughs) can do is great. And Cordero has an interesting blend and a special blend of speed and power that I think can translate very well in the AL East. But if that, if you can get all of this right now, it's sure that you're happy with it. It sounds like you're happy with this return for Benatendi. Why couldn't you have just taken a chance on maybe he gets even better in the first half of this year and trade him at the deadline because he literally cannot get any worse. He, he, I mean, I'm all for throwing out 2020 as a year. It was crazy for everybody. I didn't put out my best stuff. And these players, some of them didn't put out their best stuff. I'm all for just forgetting 2020 for Ben but he cannot be any worse than that. And there's, it's just impossible. So if you're already satisfied with this return, what's to say you, it wouldn't have been even more come the trade deadline. So I find that that's weird for the Red Sox perspective. And then with the Royals, I just, I think that the Royals, this trade is going to be judged on the results more so than anything else. In some trades, you can judge it on day one, but with this trade, it depends on how the team does because we know going into it now, this is about winning. There is no upside past these two years. In two years that, again, you'd be happy with third place. And so now with the Royals, you're building a team that is no longer based on young guys turning the corner. It's based on Guys turning their careers around. Carlos Santana, he needs a, back, a bounce back season. Andrew Ruben Attendee, he needs a bounce back season. Jorge Soler, he needs a bounce back season. Mondesi, he needs to finally show up for once. All these guys need to prove something this year, and they need their career to get jump started this year. And if that doesn't happen, this is a chance to be a disaster. But if that does happen, and you get to bounce back from Mike Miner, you get to bounce back from, from Danny Duffy, if all that comes together, then yeah, you could be looking at a special team. I would love this trade without question, if there was expanded playoffs, if there was a true expanded postseason this year, then this trade makes a lot more sense. But given the parameters that you're going to work with this season, it seems rather odd to make this move, giving up your number eight prospect and giving up Frenchie Cordero, who again has that special blend of speed and power. And just this this time last year, Royals fans were talking themselves into him being really good. And now you're looking at Andrew Benatendi, who has not really done anything for a couple of seasons it's interesting to say the least. I think it's a fun move again for the fans because it's a name you recognize. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out and you have to give bonus points for trying, which is sad that that's where baseball is as a sport that you simply get bonus points for even trying to compete no matter if it pans out or doesn't, but we'll see what happens moving forward. I just think that that's really a consensus for me is 
why did it come to this? Because again, who's to say that Khalil Lee will not have a better season or Cordero will have a better season than Benatendi? How'd this even happen for Kansas City? Yeah. And I mean, I think, so first of all, the clarification for Mark Feinstein is the Red Sox are sending $2.8 million to the Royals to help cover part of Benintendi's $6.6 million salary this year. Just crazy. Like all these billionaire <laughs> ball clubs just th- throwing money around that like they don't need. It's You're never going to convince me that these guys are poor and like need financial help. Like I'm so sick of that narrative on my part. But I will say 2017 and 2018, Andrew Benintendi, and even those 34 games that he played in 2016, he was really fun to watch, but I think it was really clear to everybody who kind of saw him that he just didn't look happy here anymore. And, you know, that happens for whatever reasons, you know, the fact that he couldn't get out of a slump, the fact that he didn't feel comfortable in the leadoff spot in 2019, you know, some injuries, some really, really ridiculous base running and just questionable moments. He's only 26 years old. There is so much upside to this deal for you guys. I'm curious, though, like what can Red Sox fans expect from Franchi Cordero? He was really Jeff, fun By the way, watch. Jeff Passan just called Franchi toolsy as hell. <laughs> that is a good way to put it from Kansas City legend Jeff Passan. But it's, it's a great way to put it because, again, he has that blend of speed and power that you just don't see very often. And last year, before his injury... He was a heck of a player to watch because he he doesn't look like he should be particularly great in the field, but he is. He, he's a really good fielder from just the eye test at Coffin Stadium. And then he can go hit you a couple home runs and, and go to the gap and get doubles for you. He had a slugging percentage last, last year of 447, which was his career high. Again, battling an injury and only playing in 16 games because of the shortened season and those injuries. I still think that Cordero can have some upside and can play, especially in that AL East. I like this trade for for Boston because I think that with Benatendi and Cordero, they're about the same. I mean, there's neither one more guarantees to to do anything. I mean, but they're both, I think, what, 26? I know Cordero's 26, but I like it. I think that Cordero might be a sneaky fun player to watch in Boston. I think that his home run numbers could take a huge leap this year, depending on what they do to the baseball, but still, uh, and he's under control until 2024. So there's going to be chances for him to figure it out in Boston. But I, I personally love that return for Boston, especially the ballparks that he's going to be playing in. Gotta love that club control. That's what it's all about these days. I mean, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Red Sox. That's the name. Yeah, exactly. The Tampa Bay Red Sox. Um, Dan Jonasi from the Boston Globe recently called Fenway Park Tampa Bay on the Charles River, which was just like so perfectly perfect and yet simultaneously such an awful accurately awful indictment on where the Boston Red Sox stand right now. But I also just have to say, Franchi Cordero is like an all-time great baseball player name. Like Franchi Cordero is the kind of name that you would give a guy in like a major league spinoff. That, that is a really good name and he's a really fun personality. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But with Andrew Benatendi, what, what can Kansas City expect? I mean, you're playing at Coffin Stadium, big ballpark, how would you grade one to 10? First of all, your expectation for him to turn it around. Like, are you fully confident he's going to turn it around? Or do you think that it's kind of pessimistic it'll turn it around? And then can he play at Coffin? Can, can he go gap to gap? Can, can he roam that outfield? How, how is he going to be in the field there and at the plate in Kansas City? You know, it's interesting because one of the biggest things I said in 29, that even though he was really struggling offensively, at least he still had his defense. 
And then that kind of fell apart a little bit too. And I haven't done like enough of a deep dive into his stats to kind of, this is, this is like very much an eye test, you know, observation, but just, just like he didn't look like he was enjoying himself out there. I really think that a lot of this is going to hinge on your coaching staff being able to help him figure out his swing again, because that man struck out so many times. I'll put it to you this way. In 2018, Mookie Betts was the Red Sox leadoff man, right? You could not ask for a better leadoff man than Marcus Lynn Betts, the man whose initials are literally MLB. And then in the 2018 offseason, going into 2019, you know, they win the World Series and they're riding high and they have like this perfectly constructed baseball team. And all of a sudden, Alex Cora is like, um, yeah, but we're actually going to put Andrew Benintendi in leadoff instead of Mookie Betts. And I remember vividly at that moment being like, well, that's not a good idea. And Andrew Benintendi was leadoff in college in Arkansas. And he has said that he did not like that. And I really think that that contributed, you know, you, you want to put your players in the positions where they are best able to succeed for you and you want to set them up for success because player success translates to team success. So Ben Intendi was the leadoff man from opening day 2019 until the last weekend in May. And he was terrible at it. He was hitting under a hundred in first innings in the leadoff spot. He looked so lost at the plate, he was pretty much a guaranteed strikeout every single first inning. So you went from knowing that Mookie Betts in leadoff was pretty much a guaranteed double or even a leadoff home run to knowing that your first guy up at the beginning of every game is basically a guaranteed strikeout. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to bring you down on this because I will, again, reiterate tons of upside to this deal if they can figure out how to harness his bat power again. I'm just giving it to you straight. Don't put him in the leadoff spot. That's the number one thing. And I think that at a certain point, he couldn't get out of his own head about his offensive struggles, and it started to impact his defense as well. And then in 2020, it started impacting even like his base running. Like the guy just kind of fell apart. And I and that was when I really said, you know what? I don't think this is a matter about the Red Sox trying to turn him around as he just needs a change of scenery. It's a hard place to play. It's intense. And I just think that giving him that space to go somewhere new and to start over and maybe to get looked at by a new coaching staff, have a new manager, some, you know, let's face it, there's a lot less pressure in Kansas City than there is in Boston. I think it could be really good for him. And again, 26 years old, tons of upside to this guy. When he's on, I mean, we used to call him the Yankee killer, which is crazy to think about now because. You know, I just have a feeling that Andrew Benintendi is going to go to a new team and immediately just from like the relief of no longer having to play on the Red Sox and struggle here. I think that alone is going to be a huge weight off of his shoulders. And I, I have tweeted this before and I'll have to go find it. But I I have said this multiple times. I've been like, watch Andrew Benintendi get traded to a new team and then immediately become like a superstar. I just have that feeling. So, you know. Hopefully for you guys that happens because I don't really see how that could conceivably that kind of turnaround of that extremity could happen here. But I think that that could happen if he's somewhere else. That's such an interesting observation. I think that, you know, he will not have that pressure in Kansas city. And, and in fact, the Kansas city media is like, 
the only ones that really cover Kansas City are the ones that are directly affiliated with the team. So of course they're uber positive. And and that's where I think that lockdown rose has been a bit of a culture shock of just somebody's going to be like, Hey, these guys are not playing very well compared to like always trying to fluff up how good people are. I think that Benatendi will, and that does do something specifically for a player to just have that, that not coddling, but you know, that, that kind of, that kind of praise or not just being killed for every single game in a 162 game season. And that doesn't kind of compound on him. And I think that this move can give him a confidence boost also just without the media, just with the organization, like the Royals, there's no way you can slice this move as anything other than we are trying to win baseball games. And we think that you're the guy that'll help us win baseball games, which the stats do not reflect that. The stats do not reflect that the Royals got any better today than they were five hours ago or two days ago or a month ago. But for just the off the field, you know, the intangible thing of what a player's feeling, I don't see how it doesn't give an ego boost that the Royals think this highly of you, especially since they will be adding some payroll in a small market in an environment in an environment in baseball where that is kind of taboo to add payroll into and to not be shedding money and to not be, you know, being afraid to go for it, especially for a team like Kansas City that's no guarantee to get into it. I think at the end of the day, it's a positive move for Kansas City because they do deserve that credit for not shying away from competition and from not trying to tear it all down. It's a high pressurized move for the front office because the front office just gave away the eighth best prospect, prospect in your system. And system has been losing hundred games for a couple of years now for this guy and for the chance to win these next two years. And it puts a, a lot of pressure on Mike Matheny because Mike Matheny is now under the microscope because he's been bullish this entire off season, even going back to last year about how they want to compete and want to compete right now. So every little move he makes is going to be under the microscope of how are you trying to win games today? It's no longer going to be, oh, well, he's putting Mondesi lead off because he wants to try to develop Mondesi more. Or Nicky Lopez is still in there after he's batting 102 because they're trying to develop Nicky Lopez more. This is now about competing. And so it'll be fun to watch winning baseball. I want winning baseball more than anything because I think that's the most fun sport for one of your teams to be winning. You get to watch them every single night and go out there and, and watch them consistently and not have to wait a week or, or weeks at a time. I am so excited for the potential, but there's also the factor of there are so many what ifs. What if Wade Davis doesn't bounce back? Carlos Santana, Soler, Ben Attendi. You're racking up a laundry list of guys who, if they don't bounce back, you are a 100 loss team. And if only a few of them bounce back, then you're going to be mediocre. And if all of them bounce back, you might be a playoff team. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in that mixture of guys that need a bounce back season. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's so frustrating is that so many MLB teams aren't concerned about putting out a good product on the field as much as they are about saving money or about club control or, you know, just manipulating player service time. And our friend Sully, who hosts Locked on MLB, said something that has been literally on my mind since he said it. I have reiterated it so many times. He said to me, your team doesn't owe you championships. Your team owes you a summer. You know, they owe you a night at the ballpark where you can watch an entertaining game. And even if they don't win that game, a game that is fun to watch, that they give it their all, that it is a team that is built to at least compete. And I I think that's so accurate because, look, there are so many great teams in MLB history that have made it to the postseason but not the World Series, that have made it to the World Series but not won the World Series. It it shouldn't be, you know, all or nothing. It shouldn't be like, oh, we're either the Orioles or we're the Dodgers. It should be, what can we do to have a team that every night that they take the field for 162 games, 
what kind of team can we construct so that those games are going to be fun? And I, I think that that's one of the biggest problems. The thing that's really sticking for me here is Chaim Bloom saying that in the long run, every organization is only as good as its pipeline, which is just such a Tampa Bay Rays mentality. <laughs> you know, at a certain point, you either got to bleep or get off the pot, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I just feel like the Boston Red Sox are not the Rays. And you don't get a trophy for having the best farm system. And Boston is the kind of city, as snobby as this sounds, that especially after the last 20 years, demands a at least a watchable major league team. And the last two seasons have been pretty unwatchable. And again, this has nothing to do with championships. I'm literally saying I would like to enjoy Red Sox games again. That's it. That's all I want. All I want is to like not go into Fenway Park knowing I'm about to be miserable again for four hours. Yeah, I think that the, the summer point was a good point about just wanting to watch a team because I think back to 2015 and that was the most fun I've ever had watching baseball. And I've watched baseball my entire life, play baseball. It's my first sport that I fell in love with. It's the f- sport I have most fun talking about and doing play I play for. But in 2015, the Royals won the World Series. And that's not why I loved watching the team. It's a great memory. But the Royals could have easily lost in every single round. They easily could have lost to the Astros. Had to have that miraculous comeback. They easily could have lost to the uh, to the Blue Jays. And then against the Mets, even though they won in five games, each one of those games could have gone either way if certain things don't bounce the Royals' way. And had they have lost short of the World Series, that did not take away from the summer nights of enjoyment I got watching that team. And for the first time in my life in 2014 and 2015, getting to enjoy baseball. And like you said, not, not sitting down saying, okay, well, here comes loss number 90 of 102. Let's just see what Bruce Chin does. Let's just see what Chris Getz does. That's not the case anymore in 2014, 2015. So getting back to that, having a summer of enjoyment of competitive baseball would be a ton of fun. Will the Royals do that? That's still be to be determined because this team is not on paper going to automatically be legitimate, but they've given themselves a fighting chance to be at least if certain things break their way. And that's really what baseball is all about. It's about things breaking your team's way, just like it did for Miami last year, a shortened season with expanded postseason. So just a, just the sheer optimism that Royals fans can have entering spring training this week is going to be something that we have not seen since 2016 after the World Series. So that's at least fun and positive. And we'll see what happens from there. But the positivity and optimism is something that I will, for one, be excited about, even though I know for Boston fans, like you guys expect championships and you guys like this is nothing for you to have the chance at winning. You should have that every single year. And I think that in that market, you should have that every single year. But for this year, it doesn't seem like you have that right now. You know, I was riding so high today after talking with Martin Perez I was like I can't wait for the Red Sox season I feel like at least they're going to be watchable this year I think they're going to have a 500 season you know I was feeling so good and now I'm just kind of like ugh, you know is it losing Benatendi or is it like like what what's factoring into that from just a couple hours ago because for me the Royals win loss doesn't change but the optimism changes like right now it's not for certain that the Royals will be an absolute better team and will win more games today than they would have an hour ago. But the 
talk yourself into factors, what I like to call it. Like I can talk myself into this team being good. From now to April 1st, I will talk myself into this team making a do you believe in miracles run to the postseason, having a wild card game at Kauffman Stadium while the Royals are, are going to the wild card game. The Chiefs are in full swing. Patrick Mahomes slinging that thing around, the best time to be a sports fan in Kansas City ever. I'll talk myself into that by, by April 1st. It doesn't seem like you have that right now for Boston, the, the ability to talk yourself into it. And it seems like that happened for you since this trade. So what is it about this trade that had that happen? You know, it's not so much this trade because I've been saying that Andrew Benintendi needs a change of change of scenery for a while, which is, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to be mean. Like I, I just want him to be successful and, you know, neither him nor the team have been successful in the last two seasons. So, you know, it's not, it's not doing him. It's not doing his career or the Red Sox any favors to keep him around. If he's not going to be able to turn it, turn it around. I think my kind of mood change has more been from the realization that in the last year, the Red Sox have driven away a trio of outfielders, like one of the best outfields in franchise history. Like it is just so confounding to me when you see a team, when you see a franchise bring up homegrown talent from the beginning, three guys that they actually managed to develop into gold glove caliber players, players that you have retired Red Sox legends like Fred Lynn and Dwight Evans and Carl Yastrzemski saying that these are some of the best outfielders the franchise has ever had, which is high praise, obviously. And they're all gone now. I know that Tyne Bloom keeps saying that they're still talking to Jackie Bradley Jr., but nobody believes that JBJ will actually be in a Red Sox uniform come April 1st. And it, it's just so frustrating to see because I know, you know, again, it's not about championships. It's just about the fact that I'm so sick of the service time thing, the club control thing undervaluing and underpaying and lowballing players that should be the faces of your franchise for years to come. It's just, you know, it's just bumming me out. And Dustin Pedroia retired last week. So like, it's just kind of, just kind of like a hard come down from the excitement. I'm obviously still excited. I think there's a lot of upside to Frenchie Cordero and, you know, we actually will have a somewhat healthy starting rotation this year that consists of more than two people, which is exciting. But, you know, it's just the direction of both the Red Sox and Major League Baseball as a whole that it's just, it's so unnecessary to me. You know, it's again, just baseball is a business, but how you choose to conduct your business says a lot about who you are as a person. And I have not enjoyed the Red Sox showing us who they are through their business practices over the last year and a half. Yeah, I think that it's it's really tough for, for Red Sox fans to to deal with that. And honestly, it should be. I mean, what we've talked about this entire thing is just why are the Red Sox doing this? I mean, they're the freaking Boston Red Sox. They, like to me, you should never have a season in Boston that feels over before it gets started. You should always pay money, whatever it takes to be good and, and do so, especially with the run that they've been on in my lifetime of just pretty much always being good. I do feel for Red Sox fans, which is something as a Royals fan, I never thought I'd have to say in my life. Baseball anyway. references only get them credit for the World Series, which, which by the way, Royals fans are already using that as a way to pump themselves up that they're going to get World Series, you know, World Series leadership. And he's been there, done that. He's won a World Series. You know, Salvi's done the same thing. We'll see what happens whenever he gets to Kansas City. It'll be fun, though. I think that 
you know, it's more optimistic for Kansas City in general than it is for Boston for sure. I think that, again, it's a name that Kansas City knows, so they're going to be way more excited. So ultimately, public perception, Royals get an A+. On the field, it's to be determined, but I'd give them I'd give them a C plus to a B minus because I just am so in love with Khalil Lee, although a lot of prospect guys are not. Like a lot of prospect evaluators are not in love with Khalil Lee. I'm higher on him than most people are. He's your number eight prospect on a building team. But I, I think that all in all, it's a move you make if you can win. And they've got two years to do it. But if he bounces back, that's really scary for the Royals because you have to win or you just did all this for nothing. So we'll see what happens. Well, anyway, Ryland, at least we finally got to do crossover, right? <laughs> hey, that's the best thing that happened out of this whole trade. I think that that should also bump up the grades for each team, because at least that they brought this crossover together. Honestly, I think the true winners of this trade were us. And we can do another crossover if Penitini's good or if Cordero's good, or if they both suck, we can also commiserate in our misery.